Oscar Poker. How's it hey, going? <laughs> Hi, you Phil. Sound like, you sound like your next tour, uh, Phil and Sasha. You sound really good, too, Jeff. This might be the clearest we've ever heard you before on this podcast. Yeah, stay in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? I'm sure you won't have a problem with that, right? Uh, um, it's, it's, it, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, I've got the headphones on this time, but I have had them on in the past. Uh, it's just uh, it's a good um, internet connection, I guess. I don't know. You gotta leave it to those folks in Berlin. They have the good Wi-Fi. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, so you want to start recording and start doing this? I'm recording. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, um, good evening, guys. It's 7:12 p.m. in Berlin, 10:12 uh, um, uh, a.m. in Los Angeles, and 1:12 p.m. in New York. And the big topic of today is the legendary. Avengers box office, which has, uh, was not uh, for maybe a couple of days ago, they were thinking what is going to maybe not quite uh, beat Dark Knight, and now it has beat Dark Knight, and it's at two hundred something. So maybe you can just take it from here, Phil, and tell us what happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it. I mean, well, I don't even know where to start. I mean, this is earth shattering. You know, I figured with three D we'd have a, a two hundred million dollar opening eventually, and you know, here it is. So yeah, yeah you know, two hundred point three million in three days is absurd. The international total is up to 441.8. So you're looking at, you know, after 12 days, I think it is um, $661 million worldwide. Or, I'm sorry, $641 million worldwide. Um, we, I, I knew we were going to be in good shape after the midnight number came in. Um, because Iron Man, Iron Man 2 did $7.5 million. From midnight shows, uh-huh. and this did eighteen to nine, eighteen point seven. So you knew right away that the audience expanded in just a huge way. Um, so you know, comparing the midnight number to Harry Potter or you know, Hunger Games wasn't really fair. This needed to be compared to other superhero movies, and when you did that, you know, you knew it was just going to take off like crazy. And um, you know, I know Nikki Fink had the early estimates, but based on you know what we saw from midnight, we knew that. There was no way that the the Harry Potter record of uh, 169 million was going. That was, that was a three day uh, record, right, Shell? Yeah, yeah. Last July it right. opened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, for something like this to to absolutely destroy something like Harry Potter, which was you know a huge event, right. you know, says a lot about how how powerful it is. Mm. Um, and I think the big thing is most. I think more people wanted to see this in 3D or even IMAX 3D than Harry Potter because, you know, Harry Potter, everybody saw them in 2D. 
and then the last movie came along in 3D and you know people didn't feel they need to see, needed to see it that way and I don't think this was the case here and that's why I haven't seen any figures from Disney yet what percentage of the the opening was in 3D but I I would guess that it's more than 60%. Oh yeah, no, we have some conflicting signals in my head anyway. <clears throat> and the last people have been saying more and more that perhaps uh, 3D is as much of a nuisance as it is anything else, that there's really quite wonderful uh, things to be had from a good, shining, sh- sharp uh, 2D presentation, uh, uh, 3D, depending upon how good the uh, projection system is at the theater you see it at, uh, had tends to or can muddy it up a little bit and make it less pristine, less, uh, less engrossing on a pure visual level. Um, there are people on the Hollywood Elsewhere site that have said... Um, you know, uh, I, I don't even want to see it on 3D. I, I want to see it. I'm big time into it, but I want to see it in 2D because I know that'll be like first rate. And um, so, what do you think? So, what happened to all that? 3D is getting weaker. Who really cares? Is that that's just the small little Hollywood elsewhere community, and that's it? Yeah, that's that's the you know the Hollywood blogosphere echo chamber talking. Really, I mean, you know, I think generally people still there. There's still a lot of people that respond favorably to it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and for well, for something like this, you also have to look at. You have to take each movie on its own when it comes to 3D. You can't. I, I don't like making blanket statements about 3D being bad and, and 3D not being accepted. Um, you know, when it, when you come when you have a tentpole like this, it's just a big movie that's just full of effects and everything like that. I think you know the, the hardcore fans that come out opening weekend, a lot of them want to seek it out in 3D. Mm-hmm. And you also have to keep in mind that you know. When you go to the theater to see something like Avengers, mm-hmm. um, you know there's so there are so many times that it's playing at, and so many of them are probably sold out. That you had a lot of people who maybe wanted to go for 2D, that was sold out, and then there was a 3D one 15 20 minutes later. So they said, yeah, you know, give me a, a ticket for 3D. I guarantee that happened a, a lot this weekend because um, I I saw it at the multiplex and it was. It was unbelievable. There was there was lines to get into the bathroom, you know. So it, it's ridiculous how you know huge this was. So Sasha, you've been completely silent, which means you have not seen it, right? Uh, yeah, and I I won't <laughs> see it. I don't see it. <laughs> I don't think you could pay me to see but it. Don't you don't you feel historically kind of obliged to at least? Uh-uh. You know, say, well, I've seen it, and here's what I think. No, you know, because it's I so don't. it's so uh, historically significant now. Right? It reminds me of uh, I was just talking about this on Twitter. If if McDonald's came out with a brand new um, crunchy sandwich that everybody loved, and it was making millions and millions of dollars, people would say, well, do you need to go taste it and tell me what you think of it? Uh-huh. No, I don't really, because it's been tested to death, and everybody's already talking about it. The audience just. Uh-huh. Kind of, you know, proved that the movie's a success. What does it matter what I think? You know, that's a good point. I mean, and you're not missing much. I think it's pretty mediocre. I, uh, getting past all the hype about how much it's making, I I walked out of it feeling just bombarded. My senses were, you know, overload. You know, it was, yeah, it's I felt that same. I felt numbed out. I said, "Well, this is um, they're going to destroy Midtown Manhattan in the way that Michael Bay destroyed Chicago." For Transformers Three, and I think that they might have out destroyed Midtown Manhattan, or certainly equaled Bay. I couldn't really tell, but after a while, you stop caring because there's so uh, little uh, that is uh, 
a gross engrossing on a level other than sheer, uh, uh, you know, over, sensual overload in terms of destruction and noise and, and things being broken and guys falling from buildings and all the rest of it. So. Mm. Yeah, you, you, you become desensitized. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, that hole opens up in the sky and one alien comes through and they beat that alien and then there's, you know, they just keep coming, the aliens, and eventually you just stop caring about it. It's like enough. I mean, it's, right. and, and there's no reason a movie like this. I'm sorry. I, I the influence of Michael Bay is really disturbing because you know he <laughs> he made Transformers like two and a half hours long, and now it seems like everything has to be two and a half hours long. Mm. These movies should be ninety to yeah. you know a hundred and ten, a hundred fifteen minutes right. tops. There's no need for it to be two and a half hours long. Absolutely no reason. So. That I think that's the part of it that irritates me the most. I don't have a problem with you know the flash and the explosions and everything like that, but you know wrap it up, <laughs> you know get, yeah. mm-hmm. finish it a little quicker. Yeah, um, but that sort of justifies yeah. the price, right? Because they they want to give you your money's worth. You know, you're paying all that I money, guess. extra money for 3D, then they want to kind of you know give you everything you want and more. I just feel like when I see those movies, I you know the formula is so pat. You know, you just know what's coming next. You know, you know what's coming next, and and it's just the surprise is gone. I mean, I'm not a snob at all. When I was a kid, all I loved to do was go see crappy movies at the theater. You know, great summer blockbusters. I was all into it. But summer blockbusters back then was, you know, were like Jaws. I mean, they were they were original movies that kind of came out of nowhere. They weren't branded. You know, they they weren't these things we've just seen and seen and seen and seen, you know, the, to me. But but it's not, you know, I'm not the target demographic. I'm not the ones bringing in the $200 million, right? Avengers is a movie anybody could go see, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny, um, Phil, you've, you're the one who could um, comment upon this, but my honest reaction was that, okay, I see what this is. It's, it's you know, and I'm not hating it or anything. It's just that it's kind of bombarding and it's not really what i'd really like to see and what would turn me on if they had this um because it's so um elemental and simplistic it doesn't really except for the clever dialogue from robert downey and some of the dialogue from from um um from um, mark ruffalo and uh you know uh, but i wanted to see it in 48 if they had shown that in the in the in the i would have been like no wait a minute this is something extra this is really you know and i just didn't feel what i saw in new york was sharp and clean and vivid enough and i wanted to see it in that um process we saw in las vegas well yeah i mean you're you're kind of in the minority when it comes to the the, the 48 frames um you know, the, well, you know, I mean, there was a lot of backlash about it. I, my attitude about that, you know, because I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but my attitude is that um, I know they'll improve upon what they showed. Uh, what do you think they're going to do? Cut it down to 30 frames? It's not going to be. No, 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 they don't have to do that. But I, I was talking to um, a member of NATO about it, and, and he, he gave me some interesting points about it. And he mm-hmm. said. The, the advantage of what they did with 48 frames is that they the depth of focus is amazing. You know, they have so much there that they've captured. They've mm-hmm. captured everything. Yeah. And now it's up to them to take that raw footage and basically dirty it up a little bit, which oh, is yeah. exactly it, what needs to happen. That's you exactly know. what I was I was told by Mitch Newhouser, the guy who ran the uh, CinemaCon. He yeah. had heard he had heard that they privately were saying, well, you know, maybe we can muddy it up a little bit so it's not so video-like, so uh, people will be able to find their way into it a lot easier. Yeah, and then that's all they need to do because it is 
what they've captured on there is beautiful. And, and some of the shots they don't have to touch, like the mountain shots and everything like that, you know, yeah. it's, it's great. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they do have to do something to it. But, yeah, I mean, something like Avengers, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see. I, I'd like to see it in 48 frames as well. I think that, you know, a big action movie like that with so much going on, I'd like to see how they pull that off because you – you know, like I said, you capture everything. There's, there's the depth of focus is amazing. So uh-huh. I don't know, maybe, but maybe it would also intensify the bad feelings we had about being bombarded. Yeah, that's you know, what if I you're was saying, thinking. well, we felt bombarded by this. Well, 48 frames might just make that worse. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's 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 definitely the next step. I don't want to be on the wrong side of history and say that 48 frames is going to fall in its face because it's not. It, it'll succeed, and, and the filmmakers will get it right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a good start, that's for sure, from a PR perspective, at least. Oh no, so you didn't? So, huh? so it's just Jeff. <laughs> yeah, except uh, it's not just Jeff. It's the it's the, uh, the the people that are shoveling the popcorn and who have their investment in 20th century cinema and 21st century cinema as we have known it, and basically people that that found it uh, too shocking. Um, so I I don't care what any of them said they're all wrong they're all going to um, uh, understand that this is not going to go to in a way that it, can, it cannot be uh, denied and and waved away as gimmicky or something that's not going to work there's no no way that's mm. not going to happen and the tech guys for what it's worth i've spoken to a grand total of two of them who i would call more technically oriented they they understand about the possible finessing that that might be done which, but it won't be that much. It's still you're gonna you're still gonna see astonishing um, lifelike clarity in this process, and it's and I just I, I would be flabbergasted if um, if it, if um, you know if they kind of whisked it away like say smell vision was whisked away after the after being tested in the early to mid fifties. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't comparing it to that isn't fair. I mean, it's it's more. I mean, I, and I think you wrote this, Jeff. I mean, it's you know, it's it's closer to color or or sound, or you know, it's it's that big of a development, it's yeah. that big of a change. You know, smell of vision's a gimmick. This is not a gimmick. This in, in enhances what you're seeing on screen. And I in really a, wish that I had seen a smell of vision film in my just to just to say <laughs> I've done it. Nobody's done it here, right? None of the three of us. Oh have no, no, no. I mean, I'm still having trouble adjusting to 3D. You know, um, so I don't know that. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, you get older, you start getting selected out. The fact mm-hmm. of the matter is that um, the future of cinema is to see something you can't see on TV. Yeah. Because you can see right. everything else on TV, that's for sure. So mm-hmm. what's going to get you out of your house to pay money? Or as David Fincher would say, separate you from your $11, or I guess it's $15 now. You know, what's going to do that? And what's going to do that is that, you know, the new the shock of the new. Obviously, people don't care if it's original storytelling, if, if they're re- willing to go see a movie about something they know already, the Avengers yeah. or anything else, Mad Men, and, um, Men in Black I, 3. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. You know, I'll tell you, I was so disappointed. I, I was almost angry when Robert Downey uh, survives at the end. I thought at least they were going to have all... 
to kill it to kill him. You know, it's a spoiler, but fuck him. You know, I mean, why would they? Why would they no. kill him? Are you kidding? They're not going to give you a tiny bummer. There's no way. The, why, why not? It, it it adds something. It's like you know, it's it's, it's uh, the concept of the person who goes in and saves the day by sacrificing him or herself. That's a pretty powerful dramatic element. I don't see why they. But it's like I kind of knew that they were not going to sacrifice because what what comes through is that his monetary value as a brand in the movies overwhelms Trump's the story idea that they were putting in for our. You know, considerations. Right, sure. They're saying, "Here's a story element that could turn out. You know, he might he might not uh, survive this, and it looks like he hasn't." And every movie does this, you know, including uh, um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Is that a in the Abyss? Remember when she she seemingly died of um, oh, oh. of drowning? Yeah, yeah. Now oh, that was God. awful. That was the phoniest moment in an otherwise pretty good film, the the Abyss. Yeah. And I was thinking, nobody looks like that with their eyes staring. You know, fixed the uh, pupils, fixed and dilated, and then suddenly one more push on her chest, and she coughs up water, and she's no, of course. Remember, ET, ET doesn't die either. But you know, um, did you ever read Adventures in the Screen Trade by William Goldman? There's a great, there's a great part where he talks about Robert Redford wanting to die in a movie. And mm-hmm. why that movie flopped so hard. You know, people don't want to see Robert Redford die in a movie. They don't want to see Robert Downey Jr. die in a movie. I mean, that would be like, you know, I don't know. I'm sure the film would bomb if that if that had happened. And I was watching Downtown Abbey, kind of watching through all the seasons. I'd never seen it before. And that does the same thing. You know, it's a snooty PBS masterpiece theater, but it does the same exact thing. The guy's... Mm-hmm you know, loses his, his movement in his legs. He can't have children. Then all of a sudden, lo and behold, he can walk again. <laughs> he can walk and now he can get married. And his, his fiance just happens to die of the flu. So now he's freed up to marry his other, you know, it's just, they do the same thing. They give you what you want and what you expect. Just not, hopefully not in the way that you expect it. That's what movies are all about. It's not about that for anybody with a brain because you're, you're looking for uh, some kind of consistency and, you know, some kind of uh, courage, some kind of integrity on the story's part. And if it really has integrity, I think that people recognize that and they kind of go, yeah, okay. That was maybe not a happy ending, but it, it felt justified or true or it felt honest. And if Downey had not survived that encounter with what the aliens up in space right wasn't that his big uh, <laughs> you know, if, if yeah. he had uh, done that he would have um, you know it would have been okay oh, well that's God, not good for marvel and they're not going to make it any more money boy that's really ballsy i kind of respect what they did no, no i would i would be saying it right now that i really respect that film for for doing it but well, why even bring it up you know all i can tell you is that when i was saw et at a screening a secret screening i know nothing about it Mm-hmm. And um, not really even kind of connecting who Steven Spielberg was, although Jaws had been my favorite movie up to that point. But mm-hmm. when E.T. dies, you know, almost dies, you know, mm-hmm. you're just wrecked. And when Steven Spielberg miraculously brings him back to life, I mean, there is no, like, measurement of joy in that moment. And that's what uh, that's what. Yeah, but they all do that now. Every they all do that now. That. I know that that was saying. like he he did it kind of. No, I'm sure that ever since entertainment has began, began, they've done that. The perils of Pauline or whatever, you know, they 
they bring them close to death and then they revive them because the hero always lives on. Plus, Robert Downey Jr. has got to be in the sequel, right? How many fucking superhero movies is that guy going to do? It's like, yeah. he's going to be. I think in... they've signed these people on to eight movies. I, I remember. Oh, you're gross. signed on to eight. You're committed oh. to eight. Do you think so. that Francis Coppola could be persuaded to reshoot the ending of The Godfather and. Um, <clears throat> Michael Corleone has a change of heart and tells Al Neary not to shoot Fredo in the boat out in the middle of Lake Tahoe. Yeah, and they come back and they can hug each other and be Fredo happy brothers. Fredo is expendable. And uh, if you're talking maybe a flop if Michael Corleone had been shot by somebody. <laughs> And die. Well, maybe, but it was, but it was a more satisfying tragic ending for him to be all alone, and gray-faced, and with his memories, and having killed his brother. That was a beautiful ending. That was a very justified ending that he had created his own world, his own life. You know, there's well, endings don't have to be the, happy. They have to sure. Have to that's why it's one of, one of the greatest movies of all time, and that's why Avengers is not. I mean, it never will be. But yeah, you know, we're talking about money. Only. Well, you can you can pull it off when it comes to blockbusters. I mean, two of the biggest blockbusters of all time have dark endings. <laughs> yes. Titanic and, I'm, I'm not talking about the, the hero Knight. of a blockbuster movie, Phil. You, I'm just saying in this particular instance, you've got how many Avengers are there? Six? You know, mm-hmm. just one of them goes. Right. I mean, you've got five but, more. But that's know? a good point Phil makes about Titanic. Like, in, in, in this world, Cameron would have pulled uh, Leo out. You know, and I'm still mad about that <laughs> ending, by the way. <laughs> I'm still mad that he didn't find a floaty. And not because I wanted it to have a happy ending, but just because it didn't seem logical to me that he would just lay in the coal. He's not that stupid. You know, nobody is. So, but nonetheless, he's right Mm -hmm. that that Cameron went for the tragic ending there. And look how much money that movie made. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, when I saw it in 3D recently, there were two women walking out and one of them was still saying, well, I think they should have tried tried a couple more times to see if he could have fit on the... The bedroom, I still feel that way. You can't pull that off. You can do something like that and and make it work. I think you're right. You're right. You're right. And you know what? It's your way to let everybody live. He never wanted to do a sequel. You know, he didn't make that movie to make a sequel. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, good for them. I mean, I mean, obviously, the, it, it made Disney's year um, a whole different thing. It was it was the doldrums and the and the depression of John Carter, and now they're um, they've had a, uh, an amazing thing happen, and they're in the history books, and everybody's happy. So, <laughs> I mean, it's fine with me. I, I'm not begrudging. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a tedious thing that they um, you know couldn't um, make a, be- a film that's good as opposed to you know assaultive and 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 depressing that they flirt with killing a guy and then they don't it just bummed it angered me you know so right right but who cares right so well i don't know um, what yeah. i want to know is phil is this when they say it's the highest opening of all time are they just talking plain old dollars or are they adjusting for inflation or talking about yeah i mean this is and- yeah plain old you know just purely money um <laughs> and yeah i haven't run any of the the numbers yet in terms of how many people actually went to see it that's that you it's tough to get a hold of that. It's tough to get an accurate number because of the. You need to also factor in how many people went to see it in 3D and what the price there is. It, it's it's hard to nail that down. Um, you know, it's it's complicated. You can't just get a raw number for how many people went to see this. Place, is it? You know? Is there any chance that a previous huge opener of say 10 or 12, 15 years ago, because of inflation, might? Uh, I mean, have they already done the the. Uh, uh, calculating for inflation comparisons. 
Um, yeah, I mean, maybe Spider-Man would be close, but yeah, I can't think of really anything else. I mean, it again, it's I it's tough to comment on it because I don't know how many people want to see this in 3D. You know, that that really affects it because if it was, let's say, the 3D number comes in and it's like 70 percent of people went to see it in 3D, well, that means ultimately that less people went to see it. You know what I mean? So it's. Yeah, it's really hard to know. And and the studios aren't very forthcoming with that. They give you the the opening weekend percentage of three D, but then they don't right. they don't really report it from there. So you don't know you know, let's say Avengers makes five hundred million dollars during its entire run. Um and they're they're not gonna tell you, well, seventy percent of that was in three D. You're just not gonna get that. Um so it is what it is. It's yeah, they they're making money, that's all they care about. Yeah. And yeah. That's it. So uh, did anybody happen to see um, A Little Bit of Heaven? I wound up getting the DVD because it came out on DVD in March here in uh, in Berlin and other parts of Europe. Um, and it opened there finally this weekend, and it's also available on VOD. It's, it's, it may be the best, the worst film of the year uh, to hear from a, <laughs> got a four, you call four, it Kate, Is this the Kate Hudson ass yeah. cancer movie? Yeah, ass cancer, yeah. Ass cancer? Why haven't I ever yeah. even heard of this movie? I'm like the target yeah. demo here. I did a, um, a, a Ask Cancer Love Story. It was a headline that I used last in, in, in March, and I, and I just having seen the trailer. Ask Cancer? Yeah. What is that? Colon cancer? Um, um, uh, um, prostate cancer. Uh, oh, the guy has it. She has it. Kate Hudson has it. Do women have a prostate? Um, Oh, wait a minute. The prostate gland is strictly a male thing. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know what the count of cancer is. Other than it's, they call it literally ass cancer in the movie. So Jesus, you saw the whole movie and, and they never call it what it really is? They call it ass cancer, that's for sure. But that's not I a mean, real word. I mean, that's it, not a medical term. <laughs> it's got to be either colon, I mean, colon cancer is all I can think of. And maybe okay, I just think that it. sounded weird to say sorry, out loud. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you're colon. dying of colon. colon. That's exactly it. They had she had a colostomy. Colostomy. Oh, that's awful. Colostomy. Oh God. Sorry. And she's uh, supposed to be what 35 or something, and oh. she's. And it's a And what it is, it's like it's the it's one of the it's probably the best thing that happened could happen to her character because she is a uh, uh, little um, having a kind of a shallow lifestyle. She works for a marketing company uh, in uh, an advertising agency in New Orleans. And she has meaningless sex, and she doesn't like to get involved with guys. And this leads to a great relationship because she has a uh, uh, love affair with her doctor, played by Gail Garcia Bernal. Oh my God! And so, it's, so she might be dying, she might be dead, going to heaven. And Whoopi Goldberg, by the way, plays God, the representation of God, in her head. And um, um, she um, she definitely checks out. So. Um, but it, she has a, uh, a. It really makes her life work to to get ass cancer. So, it and there's just something almost celebrating about it. It's it's a celebratory Yikes. film. Well, well, the headline for this podcast can be the Avengers and ass cancer. <laughs> oh God, I can't. I can't. You know, a really good friend of mine died of of colon cancer, and it was awful because he waited way too long to go to the doctor, and by the time they caught it, it was too far along for him to do anything about it. He held a funeral for himself when he was still alive, and all of his friends showed up, and they had this big party and everything. And he really thought he could beat it. And man, that thing took him in six months, and he was dead. I'm sorry, Sasha. Who who are you speaking of? A I'm good sorry, friend of mine, my, my one okay. of my dearest right. friends' father, and he 
he just put it off and put it off and he didn't get himself checked so i think that that movie with kate hudson is probably sort of a psa in a way of get yourself checked out so you don't Uh have this cancer because it is it is easy to cure if you catch it early and then um otherwise it takes you pretty darn oh cancer's awful Uh but um what about phil speaking of box office what about how think like a man is doing so well and yet no one talks about it because it's a quote-unquote black movie because you're, yeah, I mean, you're, it's, you're presuming it's going to actually it, – it doesn't look like a good um, – It's making lots of money like, though. Why are we talking about the Avengers and we're not talking about Think Like a Man? I just want to know oh. that. Because I didn't care to see it. I wasn't even invited to see it. I, I had a kind of a suspicion that it was going to be crap and I didn't go to see it. But That's the honest truth. But the Avengers is crap too. I'm just saying why. That's true. Uh, because um, uh, the Avengers was bigger than, uh, than uh, uh, Walk Like a – Wait a minute. What's that? I, I can't remember the name. Think t- like a man. It's only been Think out. like a man. Sorry. But it's only been out so, three weeks, and it's already made $73 million, according to boxoffice.com. That's pretty, that's pretty noteworthy and good for them and, and good uh, on Sony. It's Sony, right? They, uh, they did a good marketing job, and, uh, but it seems to have, you know. So what, what do you think, Phil? Why did it do um, – why was it the exception or – well, I mean, I got a lot of you know phone calls and emails from the, the, the media about it, and they said, well, you know, why are expectations so high for Think Like a Man, and why is this going to be so su- successful? And I said, well, that's easy. The African-American audience is underserved 100%. So when they have something that comes out that's aimed directly at them, that, mm-hmm. that speaks to them, they rally behind it. Um, up until this point, all they have is crappy Tyler Perry movies. Um, I haven't seen Think Like a Man, but from from what I've heard, it's kind of a – a step or two up from Tyler Perry stuff, so more power to it. Um, okay, you know, I wish, I wish Spike Lee could find that kind of audience, but um, he's he's too controversial, I guess, and, and he's not going to get big studio money anymore unless he does something like Inside Man. Um, but there there needs to be there you know there there needs to be more movies for African Americans, and there needs to be more movies for women. That's you know that's something I've been saying for a couple months now. You know. Look what Hunger Games and The Help and The Blind Side have done because they have strong and even the terrible Twilight the movies. You know, Twilight movies are weird. Yeah. But Think Like a Man is also it's not just African Americans; it's African American women, which I think is really interesting. Is why that demographic is is pretty you know is powerful. And I, I read an article just the other day that Latinos and African Americans made up such a huge portion of audiences, and yet the core. Of Hollywood, what it serves up is is generally still white. Isn't that un- interesting? I think. Uh, uh. But and you're going to see that change in the next couple of years. I mean, Pixar just announced their. You know, Jeff, were you at the Disney thing when they announced that they're doing the? Um, I forget what it's called, but it's it's obviously 100 percent aimed at the Latino audience um, in an animated movie. So yeah, you're going to see that change drastically in the next couple of years. Hollywood is is getting the point and. You know, it's it's not going to stay the way it is, I don't think. But the scary thing is, you know, even if they, they start trying to appeal to this audience, are, are they going to appeal to them in a way that uses stereotypes? That's what I'm afraid of. Um, right. You know, because that's what Tyler Perry does. So I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they can present intelligent, respectable characters in these films. You know? Let me say, if I had had two or three uh, screening choices before I left the country, and I, I would have gone to it in a heartbeat, but I, but I was inclined to wave it off because I thought it might be like a Tyler Perry film. That's all it was. I mean, I don't think... I mean, if a movie works and it's, and it's got something, I will... D- 
I'm there in a, in a heartbeat, but I, but I just didn't believe. I suspected that it might be um, tedious to sit through, so um, I didn't uh, call them. That's what you have to do half the time with screenings these days. You have to, at least I do, and Ann Thompson even, and other people I've spoken to. Sometimes, yeah, Pete Hammond, he gets invited to everything, but sometimes he has to literally call them and say, hey, you're screening this, right? Can mm-hmm. I see it? Oh, yes, we are. We do have screenings. You, uh, you know, they don't exactly hit you with, uh, with offers to see things. Um, I wasn't told anything about the ass cancer movie either. I had to uh, hunt it down. So, um, well, okay. So, Phil, one last question: um, Hunger Games. I thought it would hit four hundred million this weekend. It didn't. So, what do you think? It's a stunning failure. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, do you think Hunger it's going to? Is it going to hit four hundred? Cares about that? Haven't you seen the Avengers? <laughs> yeah, um. I'm, I'm watching Hunger Games. I'm hoping it goes way, way up. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, if it came out one week earlier, it would have $400 million. But it it ran smack into the Avengers juggernaut, and, and then that's it. I mean, yeah, right now it's at 380.7, and it did 5.7 this weekend. So it's that, not going to get there. That 380 is domestic, Phil? Yeah, that's just domestic, yeah. What do you so, think so, the over – what's the overall? Uh, worldwide, I don't know. I haven't seen the latest. I forget what the latest number from Lionsgate is, but mm. they don't. Let me see. They didn't have their email yet. Um, right. No, they don't have the international number in yet. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge success. And you know, I don't. If they're gonna decide to do Catching Fire in 3D, which I don't think they will, um, you know. But if they do do that in 3D, that could give Avengers a run for its money. Uh, you know, I think you know, yeah. based on the fact that the first one did 152 million, and I think the ad- the audience is only going to expand for the second movie. So, uh-huh. yeah. right, right. Um, uh, and what do we think about Avengers? Ultimately, are we talking 500 million movie? We're talking about Dark Knight kind of money. Yeah, I, I you know, with, with this kind of opening, you have to say that 500 million is pretty much a almost a given. I'd be really surprised if it didn't hit that. Yikes. Um, especially because, you know, yeah, next weekend all they all it has to compete with is Dark Shadows. So, Oh, which, but, by the way, I uh, talked to somebody who saw it. Go ahead, Phil. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, we're in unprecedented territory here. I mean, most summer blockbusters, they'll fall, you know, 55 60%. Right. Um, I mean, if this holds, you know, six, if this only drops 60% of its audience, that's, you know, still right. a lot of money to make in the second weekend. I don't think it's going to do that. But who knows? I mean, we're it's literally every weekend's going to be a guessing game with this um, because of how big it is. So that's going to go. It's going to go Avatar, Titanic, The Avengers, Dark Knight. That's going to be the um, no, wait. Dark Knight was what domestically wasn't that? I think Dark Knight's now still number three. Yeah, Dark Knight's five thirty three. So I could see it um, really competing with Dark Knight. I don't want to say it's going to beat that yet. Um, Star Wars know, episode next, one yeah. is four, and then Star Wars, regular Star Wars is five. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, my guess would be at least, you know, I'd be surprised if it doesn't hit at least 500 million. Um, but, you know, you know we'll, we'll have a much better idea next weekend about how front-loaded it is. Uh-huh. God, um, does you know, it? The, the word of mouth is great for this thing, too. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's 96% approval rating on Flickster. From uh-huh. like it's close to two hundred thirty thousand people Jeez. went on there and rated it, which is unheard of. That's the help didn't even have that, and that you know that was one of the highest rated movies. So the 
watch out. That's all I'll say. Okay, well, I just want you all to know that Hunger Games is currently 16 highest grossing film of all time. It still hasn't beaten Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. But, um, <laughs> and even more surprising but, is how many of the Star Wars movies are in the top ten. That's bizarre. God, it's uh, really... I mean, I know it's stating the obvious, but it's, it's uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. I talked to a critic friend um, who saw Dark Shadows. Do you, have you spoken to anyone, Phil, who has seen it? Uh, not yet, no. But I heard it's pretty dark. Not, you know... <laughs> A little bit more moody than you'd expect for, you know, something like that. Well, I I told my critic friend that I had this idea. It seems to be, you know, with the kind of uh, uh, outsider, spooky, spectral presence affecting the lives of a well-to-do family uh, with with shallow. Um, um, bourgeois values as it was as was the the basic dynamic in beetlejuice that this might be kind of funny you know with with social satire and whatnot and he says it doesn't work oh, um, right. so we'll see it when is the first work, yeah. reading of it uh, isn't it on monday or something i don't know but that's it, another one i haven't been invited to but i tell you what it looks it does not look appealing by the marketing i'm sorry to say <laughs> now, what is it that you don't like? Do you disagree with my general impression about how it resembles Beetlejuice in what, the way I just described? Or what, what is well, it that it you don't cheap. like about it? Everything looks cheap. The makeup looks cheap. The costumes look cheap. There's nothing – you don't look at that marketing and, and you know, that, that kind of concept and say, wow, that's really cool. To me, I don't. I look at it and go, oh, that's so weird. Okay. I don't know why. But, I mean, that's kind of what they're going for, right? Yeah, I guess. Because the original show was really cheap and campy from what I've heard. Yeah. You know, the sets moved and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Right, right. That's okay. true, but, but I don't know. Is that going to sell? The guy who I spoke to initially who liked it said it's not a growth movie or anything, uh, but it, it, it does have things that work about it, and it's, um, and it's um, enjoyable from what he – from his vantage point. So. But um, I will not see it because I will be, of course, missing the um, the. They, they have a screening here, incidentally. I think I wrote about this, but it's in. Believe it or not, in 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 Berlin, they're having a screening in German a German dub version. I said, and I wrote to my critic friend here, and I said, "You're kidding." I mean, I can understand uh, whatever practice they have as far as dubbing films for paying public, but why wouldn't they show the original language version to critics at least? And, and you know people who preferred the the original track with uh, with subtitles, and um, so anyway, that's what they're doing. No, Amazing. I, I know. I was surprised in Italy. You know, you, you really don't see <clears throat> subtitled movies. Everything's dubbed. Yeah. That's an accepted mm. practice, and it's not frowned upon at all, which is funny. Yeah. Wow. But of course, funny. in can you see everything is subtitled. They never dub right. anything. Of course. So I will see it, however, and they do show it in a uh, subtitled version at a Sony center here in Berlin. So at least I get to see it on Thursday, one day before it opens, so uh, be able to review it uh, concurrently. Oh, okay. And, um, How funny yeah. that you get to see it all the way over there. <clears throat> yeah. It's great. So, so how long I don't are know, you what, in... What else? Is, yeah. So you're flying again. out of Berlin... Um, Monday. Monday. No, Tuesday. Tuesday. God, it's coming right up. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, not this coming Tuesday, not day after tomorrow. I mean, the next week. Right. That's when it sure. happen. Right. And um, and I, it's a local flight, and I'll be down there around noon, and you know, just like before. Except the big 
uh, change this time is that my I'll be completely acclimated, and I'm slowly getting acclimated to European time. So it's going to be very um, very pleasant. I won't be uh, crashing. You know, the first couple of days in, in can screenings, if there's a least bit boring element, if I if I feel least bit relaxed, I mean, it, it overwhelms you in I the know. middle of the day. That, it's that crazy. Uh, nodding out thing. I've seen it happen with other people. It so really I don't feel does. So guilty admitting it. It's so hard to stay awake during any of those screenings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to say, uh, and that's jet lag, but that's also just—I don't know—it's the state of it. You know, it's the—it's the craziness it, of it. That it's so everything it's, happens so fast, and then you're—and then you're suddenly sitting in a quiet, dark room, which is. It's so also—it's also the Guy Lodge Abbas Kiros Tommy factor. <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell Guy Lodge that I said that. Almost <laughs> so tell all of our listeners. Yeah. You mean that? It's well, it must a total- be even worse in Vegas. Vegas is hard. Was know. it like that too? I have problems. I mean, because you know, you you're you're up at you know seven thirty. It's nonstop, and then you know at the inevitable cocktail hour hits, and you're you're drinking till eleven eleven thirty at night, and then you wake up groggy, and yeah, by the third day, you're just like, yeah, you know, they'll they'll show twenty five minutes of Madagascar three, and you're you're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you're out. You know, it's yeah. done. No. You can't because you know it's a lot of the stuff they show there isn't very engaging. You know, it's like the blockbuster summer movies that are you know, hard so, to sit through even 10 minutes. Did you feel, as I did, about the Sony presentation at CinemaCon? They just seemed to be uh, – they had nothing to show that was anywhere close to original. Everything was a reboot. Everything was a remake. It was all genre stuff. And they were so delighted. Uh, they were, like, fluttering with, with, with ecstasy at the idea of this is going to be so wet your whistle and float your boat. You're going to be delighted with our stuff. They have one – fairly cool sounding uh, film at the end of the year that they did not even mention and that's um, Zero Dark Thirty from Catherine Bigelow. They didn't even visually, I mean uh, verbally mention that they have it coming. They completely ignored it and it was supposed to be about what exhibitors can look forward to in 2012, right? Wow. Yeah, well I missed the Sony thing but everything I heard from it was really bad. I, I went to everyone except for I think Sony and, and I think I miss Fox too. But I'm asking um, you about the mentality. Don't they seem to be saying to Exhibitor, look, you guys don't really care about Oscar maybe movies. films that might win Oscars or be critically admired. You want just the popcorn sellers. We're just going to, in our reel, we're just going to restrict our reel to, you know, popcorn movies. And then, Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of the studios took that approach and I, I don't like it. I think it's unfair to the filmmakers who made interesting movies that are coming out later in the year that are going to be yeah. you know, successful. I think the only one the only studio that didn't do that was Warner Brothers. You know, they had Gatsby on display, and they also at least mentioned um, Argo. You know, so yeah, they they you know were at least confident in their whole slate, and I think that's good. You know, from their standpoint, it's you, you should ignore that that kind of Mm-mm. stuff because th- that stuff does make money. You know, it, Zero Dark Thirty will make money. Yeah, they're a good team over there at Warner Brothers. I think people are always criticizing them, but I think they do a great job. Um, the uh, but speaking of Argo, I guess uh-huh. there's like some, you know, you can never trust these things because they come from biased sources. But there is some word of mouth that it's um, really, really, really good, like a lot better than people think it's going to be. And that's why they moved the date up. So I keep an eye out for that one in terms of Oscar. I know it's Ben Affleck. It's his third time at bat with like an Oscar movie. He almost got there with the town. 
He's a very good director who knows how to make a good film. But uh, the impression that many people had, and I agree with it, is that he's Sidney Pollack good, which is to say <clears throat> a person who really um, knows how to make a film that, that works, but he's not a genius. He's not super gifted. He's not exceptional. But he is a good filmmaker, and, really and he good. completely deserves respect. The town was was um, was. I, I didn't even think the town was that great. I thought it was kind of unbelievable that a woman who is a bank officer with um, aspirations yeah. towards moving up in the world would would have an affair with a townie who who's unshaven, who wears hoodies, who's uh, she soon soon figures out that he's up to no good. You know, I just didn't buy it. You know, it's just a you know, stupid stupid story. I, I only didn't so. buy it because it was it was that actor playing the part. I think if they had picked someone who was slightly less perfectly beautiful as she, then we could have bought mm-hmm. it a little bit better. You know, um, she just was just too exceptional looking, yeah. I think, to, to, for me. And that bothered me too about it a little bit. I, I believe the character would have fallen for him, but not that actress as that character. So if he has any flaws there, it's it's picking too... And, and Blake Lively also was kind of too good looking to she was a person with a drug uh, issue, but he, she was more his speed in terms of what he would probably be able to, to score with, uh, girlfriend-wise. Yeah, but again, I, I didn't believe her in the part. I thought she's too uptown. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but nonetheless, I think that um, that with the new one, he doesn't. He's not falling for a lot of these same kind of things that he did in this one and Gone Baby Gone because his cast is like Alan Arkin, John Goodman. You know, uh-huh. I mean, these are like vets. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it. It seems like it's a it's a it's a, a departure for him for what he usually does. No, that's good. I mean, he's a he's he definitely is a good filmmaker. Um, but can you remind me, Sasha, what date was it moved up to, and what was it? It went preview? from September to October. So oh, that's went, a significant call if they're doing that. It is. That's a, yeah, that yeah. shows that they have, and I actually actually know mm-hmm. for sure that they that they have really high hopes for it in terms of Oscar. Right. So. Right. That's good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I look forward to it. He's so why do you think, again, why, why exclude even a mention of a film like this? No, he the, said the that they did, that they, they talked about it. No, they, yeah, Warner Brothers mentioned that. Yeah. Did they show it right. visually? I don't remember that. I don't think so because I, I ducked out right when they were talking about it. But from what I heard, they uh, – Okay, I, I stand corrected. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it could just be they don't have footage. They, you know, oh, or, or they were up time-wise or something but that's crap you know, they, 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 they want to keep these product reels low and common and popcorny they don't want to show the good the really good stuff i don't think well, that I, I will bet you anything if you dig a little deeper on the zero dark 30 thing i don't know if you have or not but i'd be willing to bet that that this is a kind of holding it holding it and not letting any information out until the last minute kind of situation i'll bet you that the people the filmmakers are the ones who said i don't want it out there okay that's my guess. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I wonder how much control the filmmakers have over that stuff. Because um, the, you know, w- w- while you're there in the studio, people are talking. They always say things like, well, the filmmakers didn't really want us to show this, but we talked them into it. Um, I wonder if this, I think the studios can flat out say, look, we're showing this. Um, I- I'm sure they have that control with a lot of the movies. I, I would think, think so. They would. Right, but I think with yeah. this, since it's Oscar bound and. Um, Mm-hmm. The Oscar people involved on, on Sony's end are pretty, you know, they're sharp, sharp shooters. And I, I, I just wouldn't be surprised. I think you should ask some questions before you just naturally assume that they left it out because they don't think it's going to be a moneymaker. 
I think there well, might be some strategy involved. No, there. I was wrong about what I just said about um, about Warner Brothers, but uh, Sony did not even verbally allude to it coming. Hmm. They did the the pitch was, this is what we have. This is what's going to make your business, you know, big and, and satisfying, and you're going to sell a lot of popcorn. And here's what we got. Yeah, I guess they didn't right. mention it. I, I guess it's one thing not to show footage, but to not even mention that it's coming, and then it yeah. might be an Oscar player. I guess it just goes to show you, like you said, how little the Oscar race is, you know, in the big game. It's just people don't really care that much about it anymore. Although Phil's always saying that it matters. It, of course it does. I mean, it's, it makes a huge difference. You know, you look at any any movie the last couple of years, look at how much it made before the nominations, look how much it made after. King's mm. Speech, Fighter, you know, Black Swan, you know, uh, all these movies. Even they, the artist, just, yeah. If you, if you, yeah, if you can time it right to get it at the right time of the year where you're, you're maximizing the buzz from that, it makes a very big you know, difference financially. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it should matter. It, it should you know, be because adults are more reliable now when it comes to you know, going to the movies. I mean, teenagers, you know, they're a tougher audience to grab than they used to be. So you know, anything that's adult skewing is inherently going to become more reliable as a, a box office you know, contender. So, hmm. which I like, I love that, <laughs> you know, I hope that keeps happening. Yeah. Do you feel a slight diminishment of enthusiasm or interest in, um, the amazing Spider-Man? Because it's just, here we go again. It's the same story. I mean, I, I, I like what I'm seeing trailer wise, but I, that line where he said, what, what haunts me more than anything else is the truth about my parents. I just couldn't believe that they're using that as a big, uh, you know, spinal um, central point in 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 the um, story of that film that, that they're going to do that again. I mean, well, you know, the, the rule with superhero reboots, and we saw it with even Batman Begins and with X Men First Class, is that the moviegoers kind of dip their toes in the water a little bit and, and see what it's like, and then if the word of mouth is good, then it just blows up. Um, you know, that's what happened with Batman Begins. That opened to something like. You know, uh, relatively underwhelming. That movie it was mm-hmm. forty-eight million, I think, and then it went on to do two hundred million because people right. saw that Christopher Nolan got it right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think this Spider-Man will open bigger, bigger than that, but it's not going to be as big as the other movies until people get a feel for it and, and are comfortable with the fact that the approach they're taking is a good one. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, you're right to be cautious about it, and I think a lot of people are cautious about it, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it, it, it's, to some people it will be too soon. You know, it's only been uh, Spider-Man Three was in five or six years ago. Yeah, two thousand three or something. Yeah. So yeah, mm. it'll be, it's one of the question marks of the summer, I think. Hey Sasha, have you seen God Bless America, the Bobcat Goldblum thing? Have you uh, seen that? No, but I heard I, I watched him on Bill Maher. He seemed pretty interesting. It was funny. Yeah. Somebody said he said that someone said to him. How does it feel to be a has been? And he said, "How does it feel to be someone harassing a has been?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I know. <laughs> so I'd probably check that out. You know, he's like Morgan Spurlock. They're always making these funny, kind of quirky, strange outsider documentaries. Um, Can I um, recommend something to both of you and anybody listening? The speaking of things that will re- really hit with women, there's a great. I mean, it's very rare to say this, but there's a great funny or die thing that went up. Yeah, just I saw recently. that. That was on. Um, it was on Bill Maher, actually. Really? I yeah, didn't know he that. Played okay. it at the top of the show. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I was really delighted. I thought I was actually laughing at that. That was funny. So. Judy Greer was the funniest one, but they mm-hmm. were all really good. Yeah. And now I have the, money, the, uh, but... the dumb. The dumb question is: I don't know who the third woman is. Andrea, should I know her from something? I didn't know her either. <laughs> I thought she's the only like non-comedian, you know, or non-actress okay. or whatever. But Kate Beckinsale and Judy Greer, and then some other right. funny woman. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so there's that. There's. Uh, have you seen Girl in Progress or been invited to see Girl in Progress? I have, and I did That opens go. on May 11th. I know. I really want to see that. I will, actually. That's one I probably will go pay to see. Because um, is it any good? Do you hear anything? I mean, Patricia Regan, I don't know who that is, but she's the uh, um, director. Yeah. Uh, maybe it, maybe it's, it's decent. I don't know. It looks like it's kind of commercial. But, uh. I don't think it's commercial, but um, oh, I've okay. got to support the, the women filmmakers. So Yeah. yeah. But um, it doesn't look very good to me, like... It's sort of a tired old story, but I'd see it just for that reason, you know. Okay. I hope it's not. Is there anything else happening next weekend that has uh, that has, will be of any interest commercially, Phil, other than uh, than uh, Dark Shadows, which may or may not work? Uh, it'll probably it might is a decent chance that Dark Shadows will be overshadowed by the second weekend of um, Avengers, right? Oh yeah, I mean it's absolutely going to, to yeah. be. I mean we're predicting currently thirty five million, but our prediction might even drop now okay. um, because of how big Avengers is, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's welcome to the summer. No, there there isn't anything else going on. Every weekend, you know, it's it, you're lucky if there's three movies opening, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, wide. So yeah, this is this is what we're at. And then after that, it's dictator, and you know, we're off. <laughs> we're off into the summer movie season. Boy, this, there's a huge flaw though in my uh, in my being over here. I mean, I love I love it, and I, I'm very happy to be here. But it's um, I'm missing so many of the smaller things, and I, I don't know how I'm going to catch up. It's like really, it's really not good. I mean, I, I didn't see Hick. Has anybody been invited to that? No, no, uh, no I don't want to see that actually. Because it looks cheap and and kind of sleazy. I'm too and traumatized about- by them over eroticizing Chloe. Uh, yeah, Moretz. I just don't want to see that happen to her because yeah. you know she's what? Only, That's the first step. She's only step. what fourteen now, right? Or she's fifteen. Fifteen. It's just the first step to to the end for them. Like once that happened with Scarlett Johansson, she was no longer really a respectable actress. She can still try, but I just think that Chloe ought to wait it a little longer. If I were her mom, I would have made her wait because she is is actually really good and she's beautiful. She mm-hmm. could be a huge star, but I don't know why they have to sexualize her so young. I know they probably think, uh, oh, well, they did it with Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver. But, you know, if you watch Taxi Driver, she might be dressed up like a whore. But no, she, yeah, she's very much a little girl. eroticized yeah. about her in that, in that part. She yeah. is not eroticized. She's, he, he, he didn't make her in that way. You know, she's, she's hardened and she's, she's scared and she's sad and she's, you know. So you felt that Scarlett Johansson peaked with Ghost World because she was um, – but once she became no. sexual, in what film would it be? Not what was Ghost the one? World. She... Lost in Translation was her her moment, and then she did the Girl with the Pearl Earring, and she did the yeah. Um, didn't she do that movie with uh, Natalie Portman about Henry VIII's Eighth, wives? Uh, yes, Anne that's right. Yeah, um, that's actually a really good movie. But um, she did those, and then and then all of a sudden she was sexy. I mean, she's just she's sexy. There's nothing you can do about it. But. Mm-hmm. I guess the way I, I think she kind of jumped the shark for me when she did the Woody movies because he sexualized her. Um, but that was a, one of his best films in the last ten years. And that's what uh, people think. I don't think point. so. 
If it, I think up until the last part of it, it was, but at, at that point, it becomes crimes and misdemeanors. But fine, you know, it is better than a lot of his other movies. Fine, but I just for I, me personally, I disagree. I think the whole the whole theme of you know luck happens to some people, and some, some people it doesn't. And if you're lucky, you're going to skate. And if you're not, you're you're not. That's and sort of that's crimes the- and misdemeanors, though. Remember when he has Angelica Houston bumped off? She even is like crazy lady begging him to come back to her, just like Scarlett Johansson. She mm-hmm. murdered. And then um, he gets off. And he has to just deal with the morality of that. And I thought Crimes and Misdemeanors did it a lot better than Matchpoint. Matchpoint, to me, was a good movie. And it was an interesting movie, a thriller. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I don't know. I just, the, the whole Scarlett Johansson thing. I guess it's poor Woody. You know, he'll always have that weird stigma of being a pervert. <laughs> so, but for me, Scarlett Johansson at that point, you know, she took power of her own sexuality. And once she became that, mm-hmm. I found that she was, it's harder for me to relate to her as a serious actress. But that might just be my bias, you know? Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. All right, so then, so the next week is really your last week, and then you leave uh, Sasha for for France. Is it on Monday, right? What when is your I'm flight actually? Monday, on Monday, and then I'm going to London, stopover. I'm doing it the hellish way, and then a quick flight over to to, and I'll be missing the pizza night because I won't get in until eight something to the airport. Oh. Then I have to rent a car and drive in. So, wait a minute, rent a car? You're yeah. staying in Juan Le Pen after all. Is that what you're doing? I'm renting a car because of the logistics of getting me and, and the person that's going with me uh-huh. to, to Cannes and to back without having right. – we're going to have to pay a cab. It's going to be okay. $80 each way. The mm-hmm. rental car is only 300 so it's not that much more. Plus, we have the freedom of using it if we want to drive around. Okay. Um, so you got a place in Cannes or what? After what's, I started using that rental car in Cannes, I got really used to it and liked it. <laughs> so I like okay. having a car. I like zipping around there. It's okay. a great city. Mm-hmm. And we'll be going out to, to Juan La Pen too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it, I was, you know, what what I was struck by in terms of Berlin. Berlin is huge. It does sprawl all over the place. It's not. You can walk it. I did a lot of walking yesterday. It's certainly walkable, but it's. Uh, but uh, but Cannes is a tiny little village compared to Berlin. It is just oh, the bet. smallest little town. There's nothing that is formidable in terms of walking from one place to another. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But I want to go there uh, so bad now. After you say that, it sounds such a, like such a great place to be. And I'm uh, I'm indulging my um, my secret, uh, uh, officially frowned upon uh, Nazi uh, 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 hunger, all things Nazi. I'm I'm uh, yeah, you know, getting too. making my way around. So I have that horrible obsession myself. I must admit. I mean, I was like saying, are you going to go to Auschwitz or anything like that? But um, <clears throat> no, I'm I'm not going to leave the uh, city. But it's uh, but I but it's I'm fascinated by by by. The, palpable evil and the remnants of it and yeah. i guess everybody has that thing so. and for it to have happened just such a short time ago is also interesting and you can't really think about germany without thinking about the nazis well not not that short t- time ago you know it's, it's funny uh, i was 40s. looking i bought a, a book yesterday that does before and after photographs of the way the wall looked up until 89 when it came down and what it looks like today. And we're, that's 23 years ago when it came down. And uh, there are very, very few traces 
of the wall and and or, or there's no real difference the the eastern uh, portion of the city which used to be economically uh, depressed or certainly underdeveloped is is completely delightful all the, a lot of cool areas in the east it's it's really you know, there's no remnant, and that was only 20, 22, 23 years ago. Yeah. So um, World War II is a long time ago. Yeah, and uh, there's, uh, I was going to try and find, I, I know exactly where Hitler's bunker was. That's been completely covered over. Oh, no, they, yeah, the Germans want to obliterate it, of course. They don't want it, yeah. any association at all, a deep shame there. But right, for people right. like us that are fascinated, but it's sort of like being fascinated with the Jim Crow stuff coming out of the South, you know, the yeah. like. Right. Mammies, dolls, and things like that. Like they're try they try to obliterate that. But for me, it's so fascinating. Even still, like you say, the presence of ignorance and evil. Yeah, um, you know, it's th- thinking about uh, the, the the city fathers and the powers over here not wanting to invest in any kind of uh, you know ability to remember or look back at the Nazi period. When I was in Dallas, I naturally went to Dealey Plaza and I stood right at the uh, at the fence where the alleged second shooter was, you know, on the grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. And, and the f- same fence that was there in 1963 is still there, but they have not taken care of it. It's, it's falling down. It's, it's old. It's rickety. You can feel that it could be almost torn down by somebody with a hammer, uh, a couple of hammers, and you could knock it down. Uh, and I mentioned this to a couple of people locally in Dallas. I said, why, why do you think – I mean, this is probably one of the biggest straws that they uh, – that they have uh, in Dallas, you know, why do you, what are you going to see if you're a tourist? You're definitely mm-hmm. going to go to Dealey Plaza. They have the the, the, the six-floor depository. <laughs> did I just say depository? Did, did I mean yes? <laughs> depository. Suppository. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the joke was suppository. <laughs> so I, I there's, you know, there's a whole thing, but well, the actual uh, fence has not been uh, renovated or taken care of or kept up. And he said it was his view that the that the Dallas government does not particularly <clears throat> want to keep it up. They don't particularly want to nurture uh, recollections of it being a, a city of hate, where that kind of um, where, where a murder like that happened. And um, so this is um, what governments like. They don't like to, to nourish or encourage uh, negative associations with their town for any reason. Mm. That's so interesting. That of all things, there because you know that that's the only reason anybody would ever go there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, all right. I guess we spent it. Uh, so that's um, let's um, obviously uh, next week and everything, and we and we'll have plenty to talk about. And I'll be here still. So, okay. and you you'll be way ahead of me, Sasha, and Phil's screening rise. So you can tell me what you're seeing, and I, I will. I just don't have the ability to see anything because I thought that the trend has been moving in the direction of more and more films. That certainly the big ones opening in advance here and then opening in the states. I believe that, for instance. Um, Battleship is going to be opening here before it opens in the states. You know, it's power, I guess it's piracy concerns, or maybe it's not. What do you think, Phil? Why, why would they open it? Uh, well, the, the, there are different concerns for the international market, and you know, you know, you have to open something like Battleship a little bit earlier because I think Universal is probably scared of competing with Avengers. That's why they got it out there a yeah. little bit quicker. You know, so it's it's a, it's just a different release schedule that you have to deal with. So. Okay. Some things make sense to to get it out there a little bit earlier. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Oh. But why didn't they do that five ten years ago? Five ten years mm-hmm. ago, the pattern was a big film opened in the states, and then it would open. You know, I remember being in Paris when uh, I was waiting for something big to happen, and it um, 
it, it, it was, you know, like two, three months later when it would open in Europe. So something's changed. Yeah. For some well, reason. Hollywood's slow to adapt, and, and now they're finally figuring out that, okay, the international market is huge, and if we play a, around with the release schedule a little bit and, and change our way of thinking, we can maximize profits. You know, that's it. So you're, you're going to yeah. see more of it. Um, you know, even Avengers was playing internationally, you know, a little while before it hit here. So, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, I'm, I'm sorry to say that even in Berlin, you'll still be ahead of me in the screening department, but I'll try <laughs> a little harder. <laughs> I'm about to go on the can blitz, so I'll be seeing a lot of movies there and that, yeah. lots to talk about. All right. Okay, guys. Delightful right, speaking as usual, and nice uh, let's uh, hook up next week this time. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks Bye. again, guys. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode 77 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at OscarPodcast. And the bumper music was Baby, Baby, Baby by Tobias Froberg and Words by Anna Brun. Thanks for listening. Take her with you. Let it rest in your eyes Words Take her away Somewhere Beyond time Words Ease her breathing Lay her softly on the floor Put love first.